When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. It is late night, Saturday night. Just finished watching the final four games. I had an opportunity to go to fall camp today. Had a chance to talk to some fans. Always cool to see people in the stands. Yeah, the Rams didn't end up scrimmaging today. But I'll just kind of give you a, a couple of observations. I'll play some post-game or uh, post-practice audio, I should say. I'm uh, going to talk about the David Roddy situation. I meant to record a pod on this Friday. Uh, time just kind of got away from me right now. It's been a lot of back and forth between Fort Collins and Denver. But it's it's just an exciting time to, to be a college sports fan in general. I mean, obviously, everything that's going on in the NCAA tournament, everything that's just happened with CSU men's basketball, and then, you know, the future is, is really bright for football. And it, it has been a lot of fun to watch this team work. I've tried to make it pretty clear that you can't get too carried away as far as, you know, your observations go. Again, they're not even halfway through their spring ball yet. You still have all of fall camp. You're going to get more guys that come onto campus. You're going to get some guys that end up transferring out. I mean, there's just, there's still a lot of moving parts with this whole thing, but there's definitely a buzz. You know, there's a, just a different energy with the program right now, and it's palpable. It definitely is. Before we dive into everything, college basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If you are a current customer of DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet on college hoops with the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, all right, all right. We are going to talk CSU today, but first things first, just since it's fresh on my mind, just wrapped up a fun day of college basketball. Kansas won pretty convincingly. Not a shocker there, but yeah, the Duke-North Carolina game was everything that we wanted it to be. I mean, I'm very openly kind of not a, not a Coach K guy, definitely not a Duke fan, as you know, a quote unquote Duke hater in this situation to have it play out this way was, it was just phenomenal. Duke is a really talented team. I mean, they have five guys on that roster that are potential, you know, first round picks this year and North Carolina to, to beat them the way they did basically with, you know, Brady Manick and, and Caleb Love just ripping their hearts out in the second half was, was incredible. I couldn't even imagine how stressful watching this game must have been as a fan for either of these teams. I mean, good Lord, could you imagine if it was CSU Wyoming in the final four? Like, how, 
how intense that would be. Every single missed shot is like a gut punch. Every made shot is like a million dollars in your pocket. I mean, it's just so much raw emotion. And then when you factor in that it's Coach K's last game, after what had already happened, I mean, they, they blew it in the ACC championship game. They lost to North Carolina in the regular season finale at Cameron Indoor. I don't know. I'm, I'm admittedly a, a pretty petty person. I, I love spiteful shit like this, but I, I, I was just so satisfied with how all of this played out. Again, I respect Coach K and everything that he's accomplished as a basketball coach, but I really, truly don't think there is a more unlikable coach in all of college basketball, maybe even all of college sports that just now that Urban Meyer's out, especially, I don't know. There's just something about those holier than thou guys when you know that they're every bit as shady and dirty, if not more than, you know, the people that they love to openly throw shade on. It's, it's just annoying. Look, say what you want about Kansas and, and Bill Self and, I, I think it's pretty commonly known that there's been a lot of bag dropping happening in that program over the years. At least they don't get out there and preach, you know, and, oh, we're, we're about more than basketball here, you know, the brotherhood and building men and all this. With some, with some coaches, I mean, you, you believe them when they say stuff like that, but, you know, when you're at a blue blood p- program like that, that it's about winning basketball games, point blank period. And it's why... Coach K, after, you know, always throwing shade at, at Cal and UNC for doing the one-and-done guys, nobody's had more one-and-dones over the last decade than Duke. So I've just always felt that there was an extreme level of hypocrisy when it comes to Coach K and, like I said, the whole holier-than-thou thing, you know, we're better at Duke. It's, I don't know, it's just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I have been rooting for Duke to lose this entire tournament. The fact that we got the North Carolina-Duke rematch in the Final Four, his last game, it evens the series, I think, at like 50 and 50. <laughs> it's just perfect. It's it's just perfect. I'll talk a little bit more about the game on, on Monday as far as Kansas, North Carolina, and that matchup goes. My, my early gut feeling is that Kansas wins fairly convincingly. I just I feel like they're hot right now. Playing in the early game is a big advantage anyways when it comes to just energy and then, you know being ready for that Monday night matchup. On top of that, when you factor in UNC Duke, they're already the late matchup, but all of the emotion that had to, you know, be in that game for those players. I don't know. I just, it's the national championship. You shouldn't have any trouble getting up for it, but I don't know. I, I don't know if you can match that high. We'll see, I guess. I don't know. I just think after beating one of your, your biggest rivals in a game that was that intense on that stage, it's just going to be, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through. And then, you know, turn around, listen, 36 hours later and have to play another basketball game. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how both of these teams manage. We get a 2008 rematch. That was a really fun game. I definitely hope we get another fun one, but this has been an awesome NCAA tournament. It's It's been one of the more fun ones in, in recent years. I think the fact that we get two really talented teams like this and the championship is great, but we got all of the excitement, all the upsets. Kentucky falls on their face. Duke falls on their face. We all get to fall in love with Doug Eater and that mustache and the St. Peter's Peacocks. Really, from from my perspective, the only thing that could have made this tournament better, obviously, would have been if would have been if CSU would have been able to to get a win in it, you know, or two. I mean, it would have been awesome to see this team make the Sweet Sixteen, be, make the the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. That's still something I've 
you know, just dreaming of, of experiencing, but ran into a talented Michigan team, obviously went on a run of their own and that was a bummer, but it was still a really fun, really great experience nonetheless. And now, you know, the, the attention is kind of on the future and what's going to happen with this roster. You know, I've already talked about the, the transfer stuff at, at nauseum with Adam Thistlewood and Deshaun Thomas and, and Jalen Scott. We'll kind of see what happens with the, the rest of the roster moving forward. But the, the big thing is going to be whatever ultimately happens with, with David Roddy. And if you missed it on Wednesday, same day as CSU's Pro Day, again, it's been a really hectic time trying to keep up with all this. Roddy confirmed that he would be entering the 2022 NBA draft while maintaining his collegiate eligibility. He has an opportunity to participate in the NBA Combine, get an you know, honest assessment from, from NBA team scouts on where they view him. Kind of based on everything that I've ever been told about this process from those that have gone through it, that those that are you know, a part of it, they're, they're honest with these guys. You know, if, if they don't think somebody's going to get drafted, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to sell these players on, on, you know, some fake pipe dream. That's what's really cool about this whole process is in basketball, you can go out there, you know, work in front of them, get to play with some of the other elite prospects in the country and then get that honest feedback on, you know, yes, you are a first round pick or, you know, you're probably a second round pick or undrafted type guy. And if you are going to be, you know, a second round guy or undrafted, you know, a lot of the times probably going to go back. Now, I will say there are there are some scenarios now where second round picks are getting some guaranteed money as well. So if you're, you know, a fringe guy, late first round, early second round, which is probably around what David Roddy is. I've, I've seen him projected, you know, as a late first round guy, early second round guy, late second round, even undrafted. But the cool thing is, you know, a month from now, he should have a, a pretty solid understanding of, of where he's kind of viewed by the next level, by the NBA. And it's just kind of one of those situations where if, you know, it, it's clear cut, he's going to be a first round pick or even, you know, a team with an early second round pick is like, if you're sitting there, we are going to take you and we're, and we're going to give you that guaranteed money. Just probably got to go. You know, I mean, it, it's hard to walk away from life-changing generational type money. If it's like a 50-50 proposition, then he's probably has, you know, a, a tough choice to make because he's made it clear he loves CSU. He would love to make another run with this team. You know, they there's a, a sense of unfinished business, I think, after falling short of winning the Man West. And, you know, these guys, they're competitive. They didn't want to flop in the first round of the NCAA tournament, especially after being the higher seed. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. You know, the the thing is, is David has to do what's what's best for him. And and honestly, regardless of of what he decides, it's it's going to be good for the program. Obviously, coming back for him, coming back would would be better for CSU and and their potential of making a run next year. But having a guy that came into your program that committed, you know, to a Mountain West school over Big Ten schools, and then ultimately, you know, became a first round draft pick, that's good for the program as well too. That's something you can bring on the recruiting trail, and it's not even, you know, a pipe dream. It's We have legitimate proof, you know. we It's kind of like Trey McBride at, at CSU. Yeah, you could go to a, a bigger program and potentially, you know, come up under a bunch of other talented guys, not see the same type of playing time, not get the same type of touches, not get the same type of development, or you could come here and, and star and ultimately, you know, go on and, and do your thing at the next level as well. 
would I selfishly like to get to cover another season of David in Fort Collins and, you know, get to have him on the podcast every week and, you know, be around him? Yeah, of course. He's a great dude. He's one of the most exciting college athletes that I've ever got to follow at CSU, that's for sure. But I'll be happy for him either way because he's a great dude. He's given so much to this program. And he's got a really exciting opportunity. The thing that was confusing to me was why so many people were caught off guard. I mean, a week before... David went on my podcast, he went on the Brady Hole show and said, I'm not transferring out. I'm going to test the NBA waters. I'm going to see where I stand there. And then I'll decide on if I'm coming back or not. I mean, this was, this was exactly what was expected. The only thing that I can think of is that it's just kind of a misunderstanding of, of how the process works when you hear declare for the draft. I think most people kind of view things through a football scope, which is a, is a a pretty common problem with all things college basketball. Everybody, they panic after a loss the same way they do in college football, which is crazy because you play three times as many games. They don't understand how the scheduling works. Like I I regularly see people tweeting like, hey, great, great job with the basketball schedule, Joe Parker. And this isn't me being critical of Joe Parker, but he has nothing to do with it. It's all Aaron Katsuma. And then just with this NBA draft evaluation process, I just I don't think a lot of people realize that you can go through that, you know, get feedback and then still have the ability to come back. Now, David might ultimately keep his name in the draft. He might. We'll see. But it's not guaranteed that it's done. At this point, I would say my gut still leans that he comes back. I mean, we'll see. But even if you know, he had every intent of coming back, no matter what he was going to hear, it, it would still make sense to go through this process and, and receive the feedback. Anyways, it's, it's going to be, you know, six to eight weeks probably before we really find this out. Roddy has until early June to make this decision on whether he wants to come back to college or keep his name in the draft. No matter what, you know, Ram fans should be stoked for him. All right, I want to shift my focus over to football now, but real quick, I want to talk about Sexy Pizza. If you have been to any of the Broncos tailgates, you know what Sexy Pizza is. We had it every single time. They are the shit. With 13 years in the Denver community, Sexy Pizza is local as it gets. A hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made-from-scratch each morning dough. Choose your own adventure with a wide range of toppings or try one of their signature philanthropies where a portion of every sale of one of these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. If you want Sexy Pizza to support your organization or event, go to www.sexy.pizza. Check out the About page for donations link. See how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. With a 12-inch, 16-inch, or 18-inch crust, Sexy Pizza is sure to have the right fit. You can add on all the fixins with wings, salads, pasta, knots, or dessert options. They have vegan options, a delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust as well. Stop by any of their four Denver locations in Cap Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, or Park Hill. They also opened a new location out in Trinidad. Shout out Sexy Pizza. All right, CSU now six practices deep into spring ball. Well, close to the, the halfway point here, which is coming up next week. Again, you can come to all their practices. They're open 7 to 11 a.m. on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. You should know, though, if you want to see the ones, especially in the weekdays, you're going to have to get there early because they run from 7 to 9 a.m. So if you want to see the starters or at least the people that are running with the ones right now, again, it's spring ball. Don't get you know too carried away, but if you want to see... These guys, you want to see the starters, get there early. Get there nice and early, really before the sun rises. So it's, it's 
bright and early, especially when you're coming up from Denver. Um, like I said, they were supposed to scrimmage today, or at least that was the original plan, decided not to. You only get two of them in spring ball, so you kind of want to be wise about uh, when you decide to do that. Norvell, although not 100%, did say, you know, likely the only time they're going to wear full pads in spring is going to be for those two scrimmages. Really, I mean, that's kind of the nice thing about this offense, especially, is you can do a lot of the work, you know, without, you know, putting your body through and just intense, unnecessary contact. You got to learn how to tackle. I mean, that that's probably the one thing that you can potentially get impacted by, by not having more full pads. But at this point, I, I think it's a smart move and, and you see more of it and more of it in the NFL. Just trying to reduce, you know, unnecessary strain, unnecessary hits on, on the body as much as possible. And, you know, again, I think old, old school guys, they kind of look at it as, you know, all oh, these younger generations, they're being soft, but I mean, you need you need your team healthy, right? Like I, when you look at how things fell apart for for CSU last year, you know, especially on the defensive side, when you you lose a couple of guys on in the defensive line, lose a couple of defensive backs, lose a linebacker too, all of a sudden, you know, got a skeleton crew out there. And I've you know I've been pretty honest about the the lack of depth. I think right now you're in a better spot offensively. I, I like what I've seen from the starters defensively, but they just I mean, other than like the ones, you know, they are razor thin at linebacker. They could use another corner or two. I don't, I would love to see another defensive end, but you just want to try and keep these guys as, as healthy as possible, especially while you're still working through the installation on, on defense. You still have all of fall camp to get some, some hitting drills in and, and a little bit more contact to get you right before the season. But right now, it's it's just about fundamentals still, and and you know learning how to to play the notes correctly. I think it was after the first day. It might have been after the second day. Joey Norvell said, you know, if you've ever learned how to play piano, it's it's kind of like, you know, the chopsticks process. Right now, we're just trying to learn how to play every note correctly. We're not trying to learn how to play the song. And that was one of the things that I talked about, just with my nerdy you know musical background. You can go on YouTube and you can learn how to play a song on the piano. That doesn't mean that you actually know how to play the notes. It doesn't mean you know how to play the piano. It means you learned how to, you know, do that one song. They're trying to learn the notes. They're trying to do this correctly. They're not trying to, you know, get the half-assed approach, play a song as, as quickly as you can. They're just, you know, really trying to lay the foundation. You know, next year's spring ball might look a little bit different, especially, you know, if a lot of the roster ends up, you know, being the same and you have, you know, an entire program that's been in the system for, you know, a year plus. But right now it's just... It's completely new systems on both sides of the ball. And it's, you know, it's just guys kind of trying to get their feet under them. With with not doing full pads, you can't really, you know, learn a ton about the offensive line or the defensive line. I will say the offensive line has a lot more size than they have in the, in the last couple of years. So that's encouraging to see Clay Millen, you know, throws a gorgeous football. And there's a couple of guys that are like, I'm actually really interested to see kind of how that battle for the number two quarterback ends up shaking out. I think it could be, you know, Giles Pooler. I also think it could be Jackson Stratton. Both of them throw a pretty nice football. Seen some good stuff out of Braden Fowler, Nicolosi. Not not as much as, as the other guys, just because he hasn't gotten quite as many reps with with the ones and twos. But I'm I'm very intrigued by the quarterback room. I would say top to bottom, this is the most most depth that they've had in that room you got to go back to like 
at least, you know, Nick Stevens, Colin Hill, there were, there were a couple of years there where they had a pretty strong QB room. I mean, when you look at Grayson's final year and then, you know, Nick Stevens backing him up and then into that transition, Coleman Key was a guy that was kind of supposed to be a prodigy that never really panned out. But yeah, the depth in that room is just, it's been an issue now for about three years and it's, it's nice to be really confident in the guy. I mean, again, I think it's clearly Clay Millen is going to be the starting quarterback. But it, it's also exciting to, you know, be intrigued by the possibility of, of some of these other guys. You never know what will happen. It's a long season. You know, hopefully it's because of, you know, CSU blowing people out that you get to see some of these other guys. But you never know with an injury situation. It's just, it's nice to know they do have other guys that look like, you know, they could be competent D1 quarterbacks even now. Stratton and Pooler are definitely a lot rawer. I mean, you know, they, they don't command the, the line of scrimmage the same way, but a lot of that probably has to do with them, you know, still trying to get their feet under them in the in the system as well. But they can really sling it. I mean, they've got four guys on this roster that throw a better football than, than anybody that was on the team the last couple of years. And that's not a shot. Like, I'm not trying to be, you know, mean. Again, I think Todd Santeo was in a really tough spot. I mean, everyone on that team knew the offense wasn't working, but he's the quarterback. You know, what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to go out there and, and, you know, publicly speak out against his coach, his offensive coordinator? That's not how that works. No, he had to he had to sell the, the company line. I mean, you know, even if he would have been in a better situation, I think clearly he's not as, as good at least of, as a passing quarterback as the guys that they have now. But, I mean, you saw the offense. They could move it a little bit when they went spread. I mean, they did it against South Dakota State. They did it against Vanderbilt. They did it in Hawaii. All these losses, like they go down big and then they finally get creative. And just the stubbornness, man, the stubbornness of that last staff. To They'd rather, you know, lose their way than, than win by adapting. And that's just ego. Anyways, really intrigued by the QB talent. Really intrigued by the receiver talent as well. I mean, Tory Horton is... He's an NFL guy. I mean, you watch him and, you know, you get shades of Gallup and, you know, Richard Higgins. And it's just going to be a situation where any 50-50 ball is going to be 60-40 or 70-30 in his favor. Like, I, I just don't think there's going to be corners in this league that are going to be able to cover him one-on-one -on -one consistently. Not when they have a quarterback like Clay Millen that can put the ball where it needs to be. I think you can do some intriguing, you know, jet sweep stuff with, with some of these slot guys. We saw them working on that a little bit with Melkon Stovall, as well as Dante Wright. I mean, they've got playmakers on this team. Ty McCulloch has looked really good. He's catching a ton of balls right now. I mean, he looks like the guy that everybody thought he would be, you know, when he originally signed with CSU. They're, uh, they're in a good spot. I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how the rest of spring ball shakes out, the, the spring the spring game will obviously be kind of a, a big indicator of where this team is kind of at heading into the summer and all of that. So it'll be, it'll be interesting these next couple of weeks, but it's exciting to be a CSU Ram fan again. It's excited to be a CSU football fan specifically. I'm going to leave you guys just with some audio here from Jay Norvell. Make sure you keep up with everything we're doing over at DNVR, whether it's written content, social podcasts, all the fun stuff. We make it more fun to be a fan Shout out to all of you for keeping up with my content. Again, I know it's been a little bit sporadic lately, but that's just, it's been tough with travel and commuting and trying to get all this done. It's just been a lot, but it's a lot of fun, man. It's, it's just exciting. This is the most excited I've, I've been, you know, at this stage, like normally 
I'm just so ready for, you know, a, a break at this point. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. I've been going nonstop since fall camp for football, just with the way that all this has played out with football going straight into basketball, going straight into spring ball. It's been, it's been a ton, but as, as tired as I am and as much as I am looking forward to having a little bit of downtime this summer, I'm also just like kind of can't wait for fall camp to be here. And, you know, that Michigan opener and, even the home games, I know it's not the same desirable slate that CSU's had from a non-conference perspective, at least with the home matchups, but I think they're winnable, and I just I can't wait for football season. Getting close to the, the midway point here. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the progress? And it seems like there's good energy today. Yeah, it's great energy. Um, we're making progress. I mean, we're we're just... We're just trying to learn fundamentals and understand these plays. And we're giving a lot of guys reps. Um, and so we're getting a lot of work. We're out here for four hours a day. Yeah, but four or 15s, you know. Um, and so a lot of guys are getting a lot of reps. And we're just trying to we're trying to have them learn from making mistakes right now. And so um, teach them off the film. But it's great, great film, and it's really great teaching. When you look at your two weeks in, are they getting the gist of what a Jay Norvell camp is? Oh, yeah. How they go about things? Yeah, we're learning. We're learning how to practice. You know, the biggest thing is you got to bring energy to practice to get better. And and if you don't bring that energy and that work ethic, you, you just don't improve. And so efforts, effort is everything. And uh, we had great effort today. And, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect, but we're getting better. In the developing depth, is that especially important as you kind of transition to a new program and, you know, different system and all that? Is that you know, one of the biggest reasons you want all these, you know, threes and fours to get so many reps? There's no doubt. I mean, we won't have the luxury to do this in the fall. And so to get all these reps with the twos is really something that's important to us right now. We're trying to have them learn a foundation that we can reach back in the fall and, and tap into. And, and this is really where you learn how to play is in the spring. Is the next step, uh, you know, when you, you know, the pads came on a bit or when they come on, start hitting a bit. Is that kind of the next step? In oh, yeah. I mean, we're hitting now. I mean, we're, right. we don't have pants on, but but we're, we're these guys have to block in, in every day. And so we'll, we'll scrimmage some the next three weekends. Uh, but we really wanted to get the reps first and try to keep people as healthy as possible before we scrimmage. Isn't that your philosophy? I mean, you're only going to put on full pads on scrimmages, yeah. not during the week? Or? We, we pretty much can do whatever we need to do without pants on. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, we practice every day in the NFL with shoulder pads on. Guys just learn how to practice and stay up without tackling. And so um, we can get everything we need to do with shoulder pads on. I'm curious, as an offense coach with this offense, it's easy to pitch the wide receiver or quarterback to come here. How do you pitch the running backs if they know they're not going to get maybe a 20-25 carry again? Well, they 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 will uh, uh, touch the ball. <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the one of the biggest misnomers in our offense is that our running backs don't touch the ball. Our running backs actually catch the ball as much as any of our receivers. So they get their touches in other ways, and we want to be able to run the football effectively. That's important to us. And so and, and our kids are working hard at that. We're, we're making progress in the low game. What are your thoughts on how Ajan and David have, have picked up on the system so far? Yeah, you know um, – Ajan's done a really good job. David's still coming on. He, he's, he hadn't been at practice the last couple of days, uh, so we're glad to get him back out here today. 
Um, but they're doing a good job. They're they're understanding their roles. Um, I'm really proud of Ajan. He really practices hard, and so we'll continue to watch those guys as we go. Those guys, they do somewhat fit. They were both really good with their hands out of the backfield. That fits what you look for out of right? Yeah, we, we want all-around backs. We want guys that are one-cut runners that can run downhill. Um but we also want guys that can pass protect and, and catch the ball out of the backfield. So they're getting plenty of opportunities to do that. You know, the one thing that we're getting is a great evaluation of all of our players right mm-hmm. now. There's so many reps and guys are in so many different situations that we're really able to uh, really able to evaluate them. How far into the installation process are you guys at defensively? Just because about a week ago it made sense the offense was going to be ahead. I don't know. I mean, I mean, the defense is uh, is they're getting their installation in, and, and they're starting to get some more of their third down package in. And um, I mean, we've already been through the offensive install twice, so um, you know, it's as we as we go along, we'll try to give them a sense of what we are trying to do with our whole package. Palisade, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.